Section 30, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Moreau. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 30. When it was the one hundred and ninety-third night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the duenna bespake the lady Budur in these words, Allah upon thee, O my lady, carry not this unseemly jest too far, for perhaps it may come to thy father's ears, and who shall then deliver us from his hand? The princess rejoined, In very sooth a youth lay with me last night, one of the fairest faced of men, exclaimed the duenna. Heaven preserve thy reason indeed, no one lay with thee last night. Thereupon the princess looked at her hand, and finding Kamar al-Zaman's seal-ring on her finger instead of her own, said to her, Woe to thee, thou accursed, thou traitress! Wilt thou lie to me and tell me that none lay with me last night, and swear to me a falsehood in the name of the Lord? Replied the duenna, By Allah, I do not lie to thee, nor have I sworn falsely. Then the princess was incensed by her words, and drawing a sword she had by her, she smote the old woman with it and slew her whereupon the eunuch and the waiting-women and the concubines cried out at her, and ran to her father, and without stay or delay acquainted him with her case. So the king went to her and asked her, O oh, my daughter, what aileth thee? And she answered, O oh, my father, where is the youth who lay with me last night? Then her reason fled from her head, and she cast her eyes right and left, and rent her raiment even to the skirt. When her sire saw this, he bade the women lay hands on her, so they seized her and manacled her, then putting a chain of iron about her neck made her fast to one of the palace windows, and there left her. Thus far concerning Princess Budur, but as regards her father, King Gayur, the world was straightened upon him when he saw what had befallen his daughter, for that he loved her and her case was not a little grievous to him. So he summoned on it the doctors and astrologers and men skilled in talisman writing, and said to them, Whoso healeth my daughter of what ill she hath, I will marry him to her and give him half of my kingdom. But whoso cometh to her and cureth her not, I will strike off his head and hang it over her palace gate. Accordingly, all who went into her but failed to heal her, he beheaded and hung their heads over the palace gates, till he had beheaded on her account forty doctors and crucified forty astrologers. Wherefore the general held aloof from her, all the physicians having failed to medicine her malady, and her case was a puzzle to the men of science and the adepts in cabalistic characters. And as her longing and passion redoubled, and love and distraction were sore upon her, she poured forth tears and repeated these couplets. My fondness, O oh my moon, for thee my foeman is, and to thy comradeship the nights my thought compel. In gloom I bide with fire that flames below my ribs, whose low I make comparison with heat of hell. I'm plagued with the sorest stress of pine and ecstasy, nor clearest noontide can that horrid pain dispel. Then she sighed and repeated these also. Salams from me to friends and every stead, indeed to all dear friends do I incline. Salams, but not salams that bid adieu, salams that growth of good for you design. I love you dear indeed, nor less your land but bide I far from every need of mine. And when the Lady Budur ceased repeating her poetry, 
she wept till her eyes waxed sore and her cheeks changed form and hue and in this condition she continued three years now she had a foster-brother by name marzawan who was travelling in far lands and absent from her the whole of this time he loved her with an exceeding love passing the love of brothers so when he came back he went into his mother and asked for his sister the princess budur she answered him o oh, my son thy sister hath been smitten with madness and hath passed these three years with a chain of iron about her neck and all the physicians and men of science have failed of healing her when marzawan heard these words he said i must needs go into her peradventure i may discover what she hath and be able to medicine her and his mother replied needs must thou visit her but wait till to-morrow that i may contrive something to suit thy case then she went afoot to the palace of the lady budur and accosting the eunuch in charge of the gates made him a present and said to him i have a daughter who was brought up with thy mistress and since then i married her and when that befell the princess which befell her she became troubled and sore concerned and i desire of thy favour that my daughter may go into her for an hour and look on her and then return when she came so shall none know of it quoth the eunuch this may not be except by night after the king hath visited his child and gone away then come thou and thy daughter so she kissed the eunuch's hand and returning home waited till the morrow at nightfall and when it was time she arose and sought her son marzawan and attired him in women's apparel then taking his hand in hers led him toward the palace and ceased not walking with him till she came upon the eunuch after the sultan had ended his visit to the princess now when the eunuch saw her he rose to her and said enter but do not prolong thy stay so they went in and when marzawan beheld the lady budur in the aforesaid plight he saluted her after his mother had doffed his woman's garb then he took out of their satchel books he had brought with him and lighting a wax candle he began to recite certain conjurations thereupon the princess looked at him and recognizing him said o oh, my brother thou hast been absent on thy travels and thy news have been cut off from us he replied true but allah hath brought me back safe and sound and i am now minded to set out again nor hath aught delayed me but the news i hear of thee wherefore my heart burned for thee and i came to thee so haply i may free thee of thy malady she rejoined o my brother thinkest thou it is madness aileth me yes answered he and she said not so by allah tis even as saith the poet quoth they thou ravest on him thou lovest quoth i the sweets of love are only for the insane love never maketh time his friend befriend only the gin struck white such boon can gain well yes i'm mad bring him who maddened me and if he cure my madness blame restrain then she let marzawan know that she was loved daft and he said tell me concerning thy tale and what befell thee haply there may be in my hand something which shall be a means of deliverance for thee and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and ninety-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Marzawan thus addressed Princess Budur. Tell me concerning thy tale and what befell thee. Haply Allah may inspire me with a means of deliverance for thee. Quoth she, O my brother, hear my story which is this. One night I awoke from sleep in the last third of the night, 
and sitting up saw by my side the handsomest of youths that be and tongue faileth to describe him for he was as a willow wand or an indian rattan cane so methought it was my father who had done on this wise in order to thereby try me for that he had consulted me concerning wedlock when the king sought me of him to wife and i had refused it was this though withheld me from arousing him for i feared that if i did aught of embraced him he would peradventure inform my father of my doings but in the morning i found on my finger his seal-ring in place of my own which he had taken and o oh, my brother my heart was seized with love of him at first sight and for the violence of my passion and longing i have never savoured the taste of sleep and have no occupation save weeping away and repeating verses night and day and this o oh my brother is my story and the cause of my madness then she poured forth tears and repeated these couplets now love hath banished all that bred delight with that heart-nibbling fawn my joys took flight lightest of trifles lover's blood to him who wastes the vitals of the hapless wight for him i'm jealous of my sight and thought my heart acts spy upon my thought and sight those long-lashed eyelids rain on me their shafts guileful destroying hearts where'er they light now while my portion in the world endures shall i behold him ere i quit world sight what bear i for his sake i'd hide but tears betray my feelings to despise despite when near our union seemeth ever far when far my thoughts to him i nearest are and presently she continued see then o my brother how thou mayest aid me in mine affliction so marzawan bowed his head groundwards a while wondering and not knowing what to do then he raised it and said to her all thou hast spoken to me i hold to be true though the case of the young man pass my understanding but i will go round about all lands and will seek for what may heal thee haply allah shall appoint thy healing to be at my hand meanwhile take patience and be not disquieted thereupon marzawan farewelled her praying that she might be constant and left her repeating these couplets thine image ever companies my sprite for all thou art distant from the pilgrim's sight my heart wishes e'er attract thee near what is the lightning speed to thought's swift flight then go not thou my very light of eyes which when thou art gone lack all the coal of light then marzawan returned to his mother's house where he passed the night and when the morrow dawned having equipped himself for his journey he fared forth and ceased not faring from city to city and from island to island for a whole month till he came to a town named al tayrab there he went about scenting news of the townsfolk so haply he might light on a cure for the princess's malady for in every capital he entered or passed by it was reported that queen budur daughter of king gayur had lost her wits but arriving at al tayrab city he heard that kamar al-zaman son of king shahriman was fallen sick and afflicted with melancholy madness so marzawan asked the name of the prince's capital and they said to him it is on the islands of khalidan and it lieth distant from our city a whole month's journey by sea but by land it is six months march so he went down to the sea in a ship which was bound for the khalidan isles and she sailed with a favoring breeze for a whole month till they came in sight of the capital 
and there remained for them but to make land, when, behold, there came out on them a tempestuous wind which carried away the masts and rent the canvas, so that the sails fell into the sea and the ship capsized with all on board. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and ninety-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the ship capsized with all on board, each sought his own safety, and as for Marzawan, the set of the sea carried him under the king's palace, wherein was Kamar al-Zaman. And by the decree of destiny it so happened that this was the day on which King Shahriman gave audience to his grandees and high officers, and he was sitting with his son's head on his lap, whilst a eunuch fanned away the flies. And the prince had not spoken, neither had he eaten nor drunk for two days, and he was grown thinner than a spindle. Now the wazir was standing respectfully afoot near the latticed window giving on the sea, and raising his eyes saw Marzawan being beaten by the billows and at his last gasp, whereupon his heart was moved to pity for him. So he drew near to the king, and moving his head toward him, said, I crave thy leave, O king, to go down to the court of the pavilion and open the water-gate, that I may rescue a man who is at the point of drowning in the sea, and bring him forth of danger into deliverance. Peradventure on this account Allah may free thy son of what he hath. The king replied, O thou wazir, enough is that which hath befallen my son through thee and on thine account. Haply if thou rescue this drowning man he will come to know our affairs, and look on my son who is in this state, and exult over me. But I swear by Allah that if this half-drowned wretch come hither and learn of our condition and look upon my son, and then fare forth and speak of our secrets to any, I will assuredly strike off thy head before his. For thou, O my minister, art the cause of all that hath betided us, first and last. Now do as thou wilt. Thereupon the wazir sprang up, and opening the private pastern which gave upon the sea, descended to the causeway, then walked on twenty steps and came to the water where he saw Marzawan nigh unto death. So he put out his hand to him, and catching him by his hair, drew him ashore in a state of insensibility, with belly full of water and eyes half out of his head. The wazir waited till he came to himself, when he pulled off his wet clothes and clad him in a fresh suit, covering his head with one of his servant's turbans. After which he said to him, Know that I have been the means of saving thee from drowning. Do not thou requite me by causing my death and thine own. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and ninety-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the wazir did to Marzawan what he did, he thus addressed him, Know that I have been the cause of saving thee from drowning, so requite me not by causing my death and thine own. Asked Marzawan, And how so? And the wazir answered, Thou art at this hour about to go up and pass among emirs and wazirs, all of them silent and none speaking because of Kamar al-Zaman, the son of the sultan. Now when Marzawan heard the name of Kamar al-Zaman, he knew that this was he whom he had heard spoken of in sundry cities, and of whom he had come in search. But he feigned ignorance and asked the wazir, And who is Kamar al-Zaman? Answered the minister, He is the son of Sultan Shahriman, and he is sore sick, and lieth strown on his couch, restless alway. Eating not nor drinking, 
neither sleeping night nor day. Indeed, he is nigh upon death, and we have lost hope of his living, and are certain that he is dying. Beware lest thou look too long on him, or thou look on any other than that where thou settest thy feet, else thou art a lost man, and I also. He replied, Allah upon thee, O wazir, I implore thee of thy favor, acquaint me touching this youth thou describest. What is the cause of the condition in which he is? The wazir replied, I know none, save that three years ago his father required him to wed, but he refused, whereat the king was wroth and imprisoned him. And when he awoke on the morrow, he fancied that during the night he had been roused from sleep and had seen by his side a young lady of passing loveliness, whose charms tongue can never express. And he assured us that he had plucked off her seal-ring from her finger, and had put it on his own, and that she had done likewise. But we know not the secret of all this business. So by Allah, O my son, when thou comest up with me into the palace, look not on the prince, but go thy way, for the sultan's heart is full of wrath against me. So said Marzawan to himself, By Allah, this is the one I sought. Then he followed the wazir up to the palace, where the minister seated himself at the prince's feet. But Marzawan found forsooth nothing to do but go up to Kamar al-Zaman and stand before him at gaze. Upon this the wazir died of a fright in his skin, and kept looking at Marzawan and signaling him to wend his way, but he feigned not to see him, and gave not over gazing upon Kamar al-Zaman, till he was well assured that it was indeed he whom he was seeking. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 30 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3